This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Time to talk a little hoops and for that, especially what's going on with the Nets. They have uh, solidified their new head coach and Jacques Vaughn taking the interim tag away. Christian Winfield does a phenomenal job covering the Nets and the NBA for the Daily News. And when this happened, he's the first person we decided to call to break it down for us. Hey, Christian, how are you? I'm I'm doing well, you know, just enjoying a couple of my last days of this All-Star break before uh, the season picks up. How are you feeling, Larry? I'm doing great, my friend. So were you surprised that this happened so early? Is it something that you expected maybe at the end of the season? Or what was your thoughts when you found out? No, I, I wasn't surprised. You know, Jacques Vaughn has earned uh, by far uh, this extension. You know, when you consider where the team was when he took over to where they are now, you know, there is still some sense of stability with this team. Even though Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been traded elsewhere, you, you've got a guy in Jacques Vaughn who garnered their respect and had their ear. E- even though things went left, the, the consensus among those two guys was they enjoyed playing for Jacques Vaughn. Um, and now he's got an opportunity to work, for, to work with some young, talented players who – you know, when you look at the, the makeup of this Nets team, they're long, athletic, they can run and play defense, you know, and that's a good start. So, you know, kudos to him for the job he's been able to do from X's and O's to, you know, just, you know, getting guys to buy in. You know, he's, he's got a difficult task here because he's got about nine or ten players on this roster that all have started different games at different points this season. And he's got to juggle all these different players, has to find out, which rotations are going to work, which lineups can he play at different points in the game. Um, and, you know, the players have bought in. You've got veteran guys. You've got guys who started a lot of games for this team earlier in the season, now coming off the bench for, behind guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, um, and, and Cam Johnson. That that takes a level of buy-in and respect to have that to have your coach make such a move. So, um, you know, no, I'm not surprised. I think it's well-deserved, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to do with the and we've we've had this conversation before so let me just add to it obviously the him holding players accountable is a major reason as to why he was successful even with kd and Kyrie. but what is his secret now with the new players that he's bringing in and the other thing this is a two-part question part b of that is he doesn't really do a lot of load management and i don't know which is a major topic in the nba right now and so yeah. is is he is he a guy that just likes to let the players play? Is is he a guy that just has that communication with them? What is his secret going forward is going to be other than accountability? You know, that's a great question because it's kind of a microcosm of where the team is right now with Ben Simmons. When I ask Jacques Vaughn about Ben Simmons, he says, hey, what I say for Ben goes for the entire team. And that's give me everything you have for every minute that you have out there. Don't worry about whether you're playing 35 minutes. Attack this five-minute spurt as if those are your last minutes of the night. So what he's getting guys to do is just simply play hard. And, you know, I know that sounds simple, but when you have guys who are talented, who are actually going out there and competing and diving on the floor for loose balls, you know, those are things we didn't see in seasons past. We've seen this team where guys aren't giving 100% effort. And, and that's not a product that any fan wants to be behind. And it's also not a product that's going to win games at a high level. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, when you look at the schedule coming up, it, it's going to be tough because the Nets have a ton of playoff opponents coming up. 
but you can't write them off of any game because they're going to go out there and play for a coach at John Vaughn who just demands that everyone plays hard. And if you're not playing hard, he's going to pull you, you know, and, and that's where it starts right there. If you can hold everyone accountable just to the standard of pay, let me give everything I have. And if I don't, I'm going to get pulled, you know, that's where it starts. So I guess maybe that's what we call the secret sauce for Jacques Vaughn is just demanding the best from everybody and actually, you know, following through with, reducing guys' minutes if they're not playing up to the standard. Now, he doesn't care who you are. Uh, he's going to roll with the lineup that's playing the hardest and, and giving them everything that they've got. Christian Winfield is my guest, covers the Nets for the Daily News and the NBA. Christian, I've said this before, so I'm going to say it to you. I thought, considering the circumstances, uh, I thought Sean Marks did a very good job in getting decent talent back in the trades for both Kyrie and KD. Now, he got some draft choices as well, and they'll be – obviously better in the future. But for right now, to be able to have serviceable players, Dinwiddie, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Makai Bridges, and, and you know, a Cameron Johnson who was, who was an underrated player. I mean, I loved him in Phoenix with his ability to shoot the three, and he's long sure. and plays defense as well. Uh, for him, to, for Sean Marks to be able to get that type of talent back, yes, clearly it's a step down from you having two of the top players arguably of all time in the NBA, but still it's not a bad position. And they they could find a way to hold the fifth, maybe slide down to sixth and not be totally out of the postseason. You know, that that's a great point. You know, Sean Marks has found a way to kind of modernize this roster. When you think of modern basketball, you think about guys who are long athletic and can do multiple things out there on the floor, defend, run, shoot a lot of threes. Um, right now, if you look at the Nets starting lineup, four out of the five guys are three-point threats outside of Nick Claxton. And everybody that you have out there can switch on defense and guard multiple positions. And, and that's a great spot to start. And, and then on top of that, as you mentioned, you get a guy like Mikhail Bridges and another guy like and Cam Johnson who, you know, I, I didn't realize how big Cam Johnson was just as a body until he got to Brooklyn. He's got some size on him. He's also got a lot of range, and he's also, you know, versatile defensively. That's a great pickup. And Mikhail Bridges just had his career high, right, mm-hmm. just the other day, 45, right? So now – we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and assume Mikhail is going to go for 40 or even 35 or 30 every night. But if he's able to give you that, particularly down the stretch uh, of games, that's where I think the Nets are most susceptible right now. Right now, the Nets don't have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving to lean on in crunch time. So are they going to be able to generate offense when plays break down and you have to fall into ISO situations? That's when you're looking at guys like Spencer Dinwiddie. That's when you're looking at guys like Mikhail Bridges. Sure, you might even be looking at Cam Thomas in some of those in some of those instances if, if trust if coach decides to trust them down the stretch. So, so to your point, yes, this is a, a fun team. Uh, I think they're they're going to be a team that has to win by playing hard defensively. That's that's going to have to be the the basis for how they win games. Um, but I do think that you know they're when you look at the rest of the schedule, you've got a lot of star power on opposing teams, and uh, when it comes down to crunch time. I, I tend to think that those stars shine bright, and that's where the team has leaned on Kevin and Kyrie a lot. So we're going to see some games come down to uh, those, those final possessions, and those are the games I'm interested to see and if the Nets can pull out with victory. How do you see this rotation going? And I know, obviously, Jacques Vaughn very happy with the All-Star break. He was able to sit down with his staff and try to put some pieces together and get a couple of practices right. in. Uh, how do you see this rotation now? Because Seth Curry was out when some of the, when the major trades were made. Now he'll get back into the mix, I'm sure. You got Spencer Dinwiddie, who you know loves the basketball, uh, sometimes may yeah. love it a bit too much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so how, how do you see this rotation going? 
that's tough, you know, because, you know, the Nets for them, I think most NBA or all NBA teams, excuse me, haven't even really been able to get into practice facilities together um, maybe up until today, right? Like a lot of this, a lot of the all-star break is literally a break. Don't go to the gym, go spend some time away. And for a team like the Nets, you know, they've been just trying to figure out, okay, how can we all start talking the same language? I remember Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith coming in the first game that they played, and they were going back to calling plays that they ran in Dallas. So the same thing happened with Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. They were over here talking about certain sets of the Nets are play are running, but they're using Phoenix Suns terminology. So, you know, entering the all-star break, Jacques Vaughn said something on the lines that we're going to have a lot of homework in terms of just making sure everybody is on the same page just with terminology from jump. Um, in terms of lineups and rotations, you've got a lot of, you know, optionality there because you can play so many different ways. The wild card here is Ben Simmons and how this team is able to unlock him. You know, Jacques Vaughn touched on it before. You know, he's such a unique player, but he's also limited because of what I feel is, you know, off-season back surgery that he's still working through. You know, depending on how you, on who you put around him, it can be difficult to have a lineup that doesn't have any holes in it. You know, so it, it's tough, and, and he's kind of a player that's at the center of this. Well, how do you fit Ben into this rotation? Because you know, obviously, number one, he's the highest-paid player on the roster, but number two, He's a guy who's been All-NBA, first-team All-Defense. You know, he, he's got the accolades. He's a star. How does he fit in? Um, that's going to be tough, and I don't think that's going to be something that we see solved in the opening games. I think we're going to watch this team have to kind of work through that, and that's another reason why I, I tend to think this team might struggle a bit. They still have to go through the growing pains of having four starters now that came in in that Kyrie Irving-Kevin Durant series of trades. Um, they've got to figure things out on the fly, whereas a lot of these other teams that are positioned to be making playoff runs, some of these teams have had this core, their cores together for years. So, so that's going to be an area where they have to figure it out. But again, this goes back to if you've got guys out there that can play defense and are going to play hard all game, I think that's what the rotation and the lineups are going to be dictated by. So, you know, the Nets have a lot of guys who can get out there and shoot threes. Jacques Vaughn joked that he wants the team to shoot 53 a night. I don't know if they're going to get there, but if they can get the ball up and – you know, play defense and run. Uh, you've got a lot of options on that team. Uh, I think it really just ultimately ultimately boils down to where does Ben Simmons fit into this entire mix. What a frustrating situation for Jacques Vaughn, right? You've got a guy, and listen, we all know what Ben Simmons can do defensively. We've, we've seen him handle the point. Uh, you know, effectively he sees the floor well. But you've got a guy in the fourth quarter, Christian. You can't you can't you can't have him on the floor. He doesn't look for his shot. He doesn't want to go to the free throw line. I mean, he's making all this money. I mean, the frustrating part of this is I would want to put him on the top offensive guy in the fourth quarter to try to lock him down. I can't. I don't have the confidence to put him on the floor. Yeah, and, and then you, you left out the other part, which is he struggles at the free throw line, so you can always resort to hack a Ben Simmons or hack a Nick Plaxton, and that's the other thing. How do you play two of those guys? How do you find a way to play Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton together if – Ben isn't going to be aggressive looking for his shot, and Nick is a guy who can really do damage only around the rim. It's tough. And then on top of that, sometimes, you know, Ben will get rid of the ball and he'll make a pass, and then he's kind of, like, detached from that entire offensive possession. It's kind of mind-boggling to watch sometimes. How, and he, he'll do it on screens as well. He'll set a screen, and then he'll just, you know, fade back into, into nothingness. He's just hanging out on the play. You know, I, I think that's going to be something where he's got to be more cognizant of what's going on. But it's just that that just goes to show you that we're talking like this about a player who is a multiple time all star, you know, a guy who's been out there on the floor competing at the highest level and to see him 
at the way he's been playing now, it's just kind of a complete left turn. So it's tough, and you feel for Jacques Vaughn because he's not going to be a guy who throws a guy under the bus, but we're also going to be asking him about Ben every single, maybe almost every game. Think about this. In, his, in Ben Simmons' last four games, he's been he's played fewer minutes every single game, and he's averaging about four points, four rebounds, and four assists in those games. And, it, and it's tough because you're seeing a guy who – at times looks like he wants to do more than his body is maybe able to let him do. But then at other times you're seeing a guy who's just like not even looking at the rim at all, like passing up completely wide open attempts, not even attacking, you know, size mismatches. It's, it's, it's difficult to watch sometimes, but you also hope that he can put it together because if he's able to actually be a guy who can maybe get you 15 points a game, now, I think that really changes things for where he stands in the rotation and what this Nets team is able to do this season. Christian, give me two. Give me your thoughts on two wild card guys. Uh, one young, one a young veteran. Uh, obviously, Cam Thomas, who had a phenomenal stretch before the trades, and uh, Joe Harris, who seems to be like he went through a stretch where he was hitting the three, and then all of a sudden he ended up like getting maybe three shots in the game. And I'm like, what are you doing? The guy was on fire from three. Give me, <laughs> give me your thoughts on those two guys. Okay, well, let's start with Cam Thomas. Um, Cam goes from in and out of the rotation to uh, really out of the rotation to scoring 40-plus three straight games and getting mentioned with guys like LeBron and Allen Iverson to then being right back on the periphery of the, of the, of the rotation again. So he's been – I think it'd be fair to characterize him as frustrated right now with his role because he knows he's capable of helping this team, especially a team that needs to score, right? The, the issue there is he's still a young guard figuring out the other parts of his game, you know, figuring out how he can be an impact defensively, how he can create for other guys. And, and sometimes with Cam, you know, you get a little bit of tunnel vision there where he gets the ball and he's just so he, – he's got a green light that granted he deserves because he's a guy that can score – but sometimes he just leaves a lot of his teammates offensively just sitting there and watching, right? And some of his shots are questionable when he could get the offense going for somebody else. Um, so that's where he stands in the rotation. He's a guy – He, it's quite possible he's the most gifted scorer on this roster right now uh, when you consider what he's been able to do in such a short period of time in his NBA career. Um, but, again, you got a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie at his position. You've got now more size that you want to use because you have to compensate for not having guys like KD and Kyrie that can bail you out. Um, so, And then on top of that, you've got Seth Curry, who pretty much plays the same position as Cam, is a little bit more adept at creating for his teammates. Uh, but Seth also has the ankle situation that's been keeping him out for a few games. So that's where Cam stands. Um, in terms of Joe Harris, I mean, he's a guy who's still lighting it up. He's a guy who shot, I believe, who hit six threes in back-to-back games just not too long before this All-Star break. So he's starting to find his stride. Um, and he's a guy who also earlier this season showed some some strides defensively as well. I still think that he's going to play a key role on this team. He's obviously the longest tenured net at this point. Um, and this is a team that wants to shoot 40 to 50 threes a game. And if you're going to do that, why not have a guy who's won a three-point contest and led the NBA in three-point efficiency uh, playing a lot of minutes? But again, this is where it comes down to with Joe. Are you playing? Who are you playing in minutes over? You've got Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson now who are probably going to play something like 36, 37 minutes a night each. Right? You've got that two spot open, but you know the Nets are experimenting there. You still have Royce O'Neal. 
you can plug in a bunch of different guys there. So it's it's going to be tricky, and that's part of the, the juggling act that Jacques Vaughn has. He's got a bunch of guys who are accustomed to playing starters minutes who now might see their roles reduced to something like 19 or 21 minutes. And that's why it all boils down to, like I said before with Jacques, can you play seven minutes uh, as if those are going to be your only seven minutes of the game? Because if everybody is playing every minute you know, at full speed, I, I think this Nets team can be uh, dangerous. Christian, got some quick hitters before we let you go. All right? First, uh, yep. your thoughts about Nate McMillan being fired by the Hawks. We've heard rumors that things were not going well down in Atlanta. Now, you know, making a change. All I'm going to say is you had Lloyd Pierce. That didn't work. You got Nate McMillan. That didn't work. At some point, you got to look at the common denominator. Trey Young is a gifted, gifted, talented basketball player, but something's clearly not going well there when it comes to head coaches. Um, I'm curious to see who fills his shoes, what, what direction they go next in Atlanta. I think that their team is, is pretty talented, and they should be higher up in the standings given who they've got on their squad. Um, but at this point, it's just, you know, it's it's a Trey Young thing now, I think. And he, you know, they, they had, I believe it was Bleacher Report that had a, a, a rendition of NBA All-Star Weekend, but done in anime. And there was a scene there where LeBron passed Trey Young something and said, you know, this has never failed me, and it ended up being a sword with the words coach killer on it, right? <laughs> and if that's what they're saying about Trey Young, oh, wow. and now he's got – and this is right before Nate McMillan got fired. You know, it's just not a good, you know, thing to have attached to your name, especially as, a, as someone who fancies himself a superstar in this league. What does Josh Hart do to the Knicks? Oh, man, I love Josh Hart. Uh, I, I got to go. Uh, I got to go to MSG to watch the uh, the Knicks absolutely thoroughly manhandle the Nets uh, for the first time in what felt like forever. Because obviously with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it was kind of a, a, a domin a one sided domination uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. of the Knicks Nets rivalry. But um, you know, I think Knicks fans appreciate Knicks fans, Philly fans, certain a lot of fan bases appreciate the guy who's going to give you everything, die for loose balls. You know, go get extra possessions. Josh Hart is a guy who's going to go out there and crash the offensive glass, shoot some threes, try to make plays. He's a good basketball player. And I know some people are looking at, you know, what you give up for him. You give up a guy like Cam Reddish, who I don't think he got his fair shake. I still don't think he's gotten his fair shake anywhere he's been. I think I'd like to see him. Hopefully it's in Portland where he gets an expanded role. I'd like to see what that looks like. But for a guy who can impact right now, I love the pickup for the Knicks. I think he helps. Um, let's see what he looks like in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting. Christian Winfield, continue the great work you're doing with the Nets. Have a fun second half of the season. Well, really, the final stretch of the season. It's really an off-season right. for the All-Stars, not really a halfway mark. And uh, we'll talk to you down the line, my friend. Well, man, thanks for having me, Larry. Anytime. All right, thank you. Christian Winfield, The Daily News. When we come back, we'll get some of his thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Christian Winfield does a phenomenal job with uh, covering the NBA and covering the Nets and he had some good points there. It, it is going to be interesting to see how this team is able to make the adjustments down the stretch in the remain, remaining 20-plus games that they have. And yet their schedule is pretty tough. And so the trick for them is to, very simply, they have to rely on their defense, their athleticism, and they have to stay close. They have to stay close. They cannot get into a situation where a team goes on a big-time run and they get blown, they get pinned back or blown out because I don't know that they have 
the depth of firepower to get back in the game. Now we'll find out. All right, Bridges is a is a very good player. They have a really good group of role players, second tier players. Bridges is one. Dinwiddie is one. Uh, Curry is one. Cam Johnson's one. All right. They have a bunch of really good second-tier players, complementary players. That if you had one or two superstars, this team would be this team would be outstanding. They would be outstanding. So it's just a matter of who's going to carry this team. When the team goes into a run where they're not hitting shots, who's going to be that person that's going to pick them up? Who's going to be that person that's going to that can carry them for a good four, three to five minutes? Okay, to help them get back, help them get rolling again consistently. That's going to be the trick for the Nets. That's going to be the trick for the Nets. As far as the Knicks are concerned, well, it's very simple. Uh, it's about defense. It's about Josh Hart continuing to get more comfortable with his teammates. And it's about spreading the, spreading the ball and moving the ball around quickly not getting stagnant. And listen, you just hope, <laughs> you just hope that they just continue to play the way they've played for the for, for, for the past week, week and a half of the season, where they've cut down on turnovers, where they've been uh, better closing out defensively. And you just wonder when will... R.J. Barrett, wake up to give you the opportunity where you see that you can rely on him consistently for points and, and that he's playing better and his defense tries to get a little better. Now, he's never been a tremendous defensive player, but I do think the struggles with the offense, he's carried over to the defensive side of the ball. And so that's something he's got to work with. Listen, right now, I could see him being on the bench in the fourth quarter with Josh Hart getting his minutes easily. Better three-point shooter. Better, more consistent at finishing, going to the basket. Better defensively. We'll hit the phones next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go to the phones and chat with Spike in St. Pete. Spike, what's up, Coach? Hey, hey how you doing, Larry? Glad I could uh, talk to you tonight. First of all, Nate McMillan was a fall guy. No yeah, question yeah. about it. Yeah, he didn't no, get along with Trey Young. The fact that uh, Atlanta didn't have Gallinari, they lost Hurtis, the kid who went to Sacramento, the redheaded kid from Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost some sharpshooters. Collins never developed. The Knicks have passed them by. We know it's between the Nets. Uh, Mr. Winfield was very astute with that. I think the Nets are a little too small. They were back to that. They may be a little too small. And uh, trying to develop it on a fly is a tough challenge. But they have some nice role players. Mm-hmm. But what I've been thinking about, you know, this uh, this extended, you know, you don't want to wait when you I, – I told you this Sunday yes, when I was yes. You don't mm-hmm. want to wait, but you got to wait. Your Clemson's got to 
got to you know get some rest too. Uh, the All Star Game was just a total waste of time. Oh, what a waste! Terrible, terrible. I really uh, crave for the good old days. But so here's what I see happening at the end of the game: the four guys who will definitely be on the court will be Hart, Randall, Brunson and Grimes, and then one of the bigs will be there. So my buddy and I have been talking about it, trying to spread the floor out and trying to convince Randall. Hey, listen, Randall's had a great idea. You know, I'm the first one to knock him, but uh, his his precipitous drop, as we've talked about forever, in the end of the game has to be dealt with now. So run some weak side, you know, screens off the, off the side out, or just don't get him in too deep. Uh, if you isolate him and he gets his movement going before the double comes, then you let him take it up. But the three things you need to do here unequivocally is uh, practice that end again free throw shooting, mm-hmm. keep the turnovers down as we've been doing, and the heart, what you had, uh, overlooked or you didn't mention, or I missed it one or the other, is that he's a stupendous rebounder mm-hmm. and if we, if we keep him in front of the guy I don't expect his shots to go in they'll start tightening him up but he can go to the rack and uh, just maintain the defensive integrity uh, the schedules uh, one of the messages I sent you the last few days it's, it's plus three or four for any one of these three teams mm-hmm. never go to sleep on Pat Riley he made no. a couple of acquisitions yeah Kevin Kinda loves love. a very yeah. good acquisition you know he's got yep. the timber so we'll see, but I think Miami's a little off. I just I know I know Lowry's shot, and listen, he's had a hell of a career, but I'm not quite sure what to do with Miami. I think we have them three more times. So look, hope for the best. Keep the turnovers down. Make your free throws. Out rebound them. And uh, shooters, we don't have the shoot shot makers yet, but that's something to work on after the season. And uh, just hopefully Randall can can get it through his head that uh, it's Brunson's team and he's the alpha, and if he has the opportunity, take a guy up. But for some reason, I'm reticent, as, as you are and most of the fans are, that he can get rid of the ball quick enough, you know what I mean, at, at the yeah. point of inflection where they can't get him. So uh, we'll see. They're going to gang up on Brunson, too, oh, and that's where... That's where Hart comes in. I can see spacing the floor with Hart. And Grimes is very quick off the baseline. I'm sure you noticed that. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how it rolls. You've got a back-to-back this weekend, and each game is going to be exciting. And one thing we know for sure, and thanks for the time. Great talking to you. One thing we know for sure, Mm -hmm. the games are going to be close. Yep, that's right. Thanks for the phone call, Spike. The the, The best stat for me, from Julius Randle, of his stat line, 24.8 points per game, averaging 10.8 rebounds a game, 8.6 defensively, 2.2 off of the offensive glass, 4.1 assists. The biggest, the best stat for me from him, he's down to 2.8 turnovers a game. 2.8 turnovers a game. I mean, you know, come on, folks. He was a five turnover game, a night game. (laughs) Easily. Easily. And while we've been amazed with, uh, while we've been amazed with Jalen Brunson, his ability to score as he's been able to, he's averaging 23.9 points per game, 6.2 assists. But here's the other thing. And this is why we, this is why we've been saying, Gotta have a point guard, gotta have a point guard, gotta have a point guard, gotta have a point guard. 
he's his 3.0 assist to turnovers. 3.0 assist to turnovers. You know what that means? You know you know what that's like? Okay. That's like that that and I I give you the example. Okay? Julius Randle on average one assist to five turnovers. One assist to five turnovers. So it shows you how efficient that Jalen Brunson's been. And that's why he's been so good for this team. That's why when you watch him perform, you're like, <laughs> what did Dallas do? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> because he has, he has elevated this team. And as Spike said, the question's going to be, when you have better teams, they're going to they're gonna try to get the ball out of his hands. They're going to double him. They're going to make somebody else beat you. They're going to make somebody else handle the ball. And see, that's when that other person can't be Julius Randle. Okay, that other person has got to be another guard. It's got to be Grimes. It's got to be Hart. Maybe RJ. It's got to be somebody else who is a ball handler. Because defensively, that's what I want to do. He is running your offense. He is the lifeblood of your offense right now. Jalen Brunson. And he, his ability to get into the lane, his ability to put shots up, even for his size, to, to put shots up over taller people. I mean, he, he's, he's just been, he's been great. There's nothing negative you could say about him. His availability has been there. He's had a great year. He's had a great year. When you watch, as I do, you watch various other games and you listen to other broadcasters and you read what people are saying about Brunson around the league, more and more people are saying this could be the, he was the best free agent acquisition for impact on the new team in the league. In the league. That's how good he's been. That's how dominant he's been. That's how successful he's been. But none of that means anything if this team does not get a postseason berth. Not a playing berth, a postseason berth. That's the next step for this team. That's what they have to do. Now, of course, if I had the choice of them getting to play in and not to play in, obviously I, I want my team to I want my team to get some playing time. I want to see them in the postseason. But the way they've played over these past five games the way they've played, the way you've seen them come together, the attitude, the, the, the camaraderie, the defense. You know, if they don't get five or six, I'll be very disappointed in this team. Very disappointed. More calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Six to ten, they got they got a whole lot of stuff going on. They got sports that can keep you laughing, keep you up and rolling on your Wednesday morning. Check them out right here, ninety-eight seven ESPN. Trey, oh, wow, and 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 that's at six a.m. That's how they start out. It goes up from there. <laughs> Did you eat glue as a kid? Maybe. Look at that. Hard probing questions. It's great. Great. They're a lot of fun. Check them out tomorrow morning at 98.7 ESPN. Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas. What's up, T? 
Man, them, them, them two guys right there, they get me up every morning, man. And, 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 yeah, it was a very, very good show. I wish I could do this. So Ben was asked to go <laughs> sit up. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? I would tell you something crazy is that me and Ben share a birthday. Me and Ben really? Rothenberg. We share we, we share a birthday. We okay. had a moment at the Sasso. We had a moment at the Sasso game. Dave wow. Dave Dave was of course being his normal hating self. But but his wife and Ben and his other son Alex are very, very nice people. Very nice. So it was yeah, really nice getting to know them. Dave's a nice guy. Yeah, he, yeah, Dave, yeah, Dave's a real nice guy. <laughs> so I was I was chopping it up with Joe, man, and we were talking. Yeah, I saw about you guys had your own talk show going though. I thought you guys were doing the podcast. Yeah, oh, that that's that's, that's the Joe's the homie. Joe is the homie, man. So we take care of each other. That's the homie good. right there. But good. before I forget, it was really good to hear Mark from Newark, man. Big bro, yeah. you got to call in more, man. We be we be missing you. We be missing you, man. Um. But when I was talking to Joe, man, I was like, you know, this, this, this they got to revamp this whole weekend, man. It, oh, it's, it's, oh. This, this was bad. Oh, the I, game was I, awful. I mean, oh, good lord, man! The game I was mean, awful. Yeah, yes, 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 and I echo, I echo Coach Malone, man. I mean, it was the that was the worst one I've ever seen. Oh, it was bad. And I've seen and I've seen really bad ones, you know, where you know that you see the the the, the grandstanding from the guy. And don't don't get it twisted, man. You know, we know what this is for, man. This is where they selling shoes, they selling their brand, you know, and 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 really all the dunk contests and all this stuff has become, you know, uh, let's get the reaction from the crowd, let's get the reaction from the mm-hmm. NBA players and the faces, and it, it, it's just gotten really, it's gotten corny. It really has. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a way out of this. You know, I think the NFL has done – they've made some strides to kind of, you know, distance themselves from the corniness of their yeah. all-star weekend or whatever it is. But the yeah. NBA, they got to they gotta do something because this was, this was really, really – and it was noticeable by not just the – not just the, you know, the, the get-off-my-lawn guys like we are. We want to see mm-hmm. basketball because, like I told Joe – they, these guys was they play harder at the Rucker. They play harder at the Drew League. Yeah. What, what, what was that Sunday night? Well, because here's the thing, they go into understanding when they walk on the court at Rucker, there's somebody trying to embarrass them. Absolutely. They understand that, that. They are not being pushed, and no. I, you, you knew you knew it was going to get off to a bad night when you saw our, our good old friend out there chucking up threes like he's a three point <laughs> shooter, baby. I said, "Oh, here we go." Let's. I was waiting for him to turn the ball over, Larry. I thought he was going to dribble it off his damn knee. Yeah, I was, I, that's what I was well, waiting listen, for. I was well, like, listen, that, man, trade, uh, but, but he didn't go over to the side where they could trap him. Otherwise, he would have. He stayed in the oh, center man, of the I court. Was, oh, I was like, please don't run over there to the corner, Julius, because like, he's going to get PT. SD over there, man. He's gonna start look. He's looking for Brunson. He's looking for somebody to bail him out. Unbelievable, man. That that was really bad. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I echo Uncle Spike's sentiments with these last 22 games. Mm-hmm. We got to keep doing what we've been doing. I was very glad. I, I, I wanted him to have that honor bestowed upon him as far as getting to the All Star game, but I am so glad that he got to rest because yeah. Thibodeau is about to run him into the ground these yeah. next 22 games, yeah. and he's going to have to because we are depending on this kid's leadership. And I'm going to say one more thing, lad. I know you got to yes. go. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson is the greatest Nick free agent signing ever. Wow. Ever. Look it up. Ain't wow. been nobody that came here, and I ain't about wow. to run down the names that stole money. I ain't, I ain't going to do that. Wow. I ain't going to run down the Isaiah Thomas regime. But you wow. look back, Larry, and I'm talking about a free agent, not a trade. He is the greatest 
free agent signing the New York Knickerbockers have ever made. Better than Marvin Webster? <laughs> see, there you go, Larry. There you go. See, I'm going to and I'm gonna make sure Gordon hears this, too. You see what I'm saying? You didn't have to bring up M-Dub. You didn't have to bring up M-Dub, but you did. So, so I'm going so I'm to I'm see your Marvin Webster, and I'm going to bring up a Jerome James. Oh, How man. That? How about that? Oh, you want to go, Larry? You want to go? You want to go to the Isaiah James. Thomas? <laughs> How about you Glenn go Rice? To the Isaiah Thomas regime? Oh, God. How about Antonio McDice? Antonio McDice, Larry, the man uh, was here five minutes. He didn't he even get hurt. enough sweat on his jersey. <laughs> he, was hurt. he got hurt grabbing the grabbing the rebound, Larry. Oh my, micro fracture surgery. I know. Oh, I know. Unbelievable. He's the best free the best free agent ever signed by the New York Knicks, mm. and what he has brought to this team, leadership, and he has brought just a calm yeah. at the at the at the point guard position. I'm not worried yep. no more. I'm yep. not worried no more, Larry. I, I'm not. Yeah, I know you don't he's going to hit that runner. Absolutely. You don't get concerned. I hear you. All right, T, thanks for checking in. I mean, we, we may do that one night after when the season's over. Because I, I can't do it during the season. When the season's over, go down the list of, of missed free agents that the Knicks have, have, have signed or traded. Just, just signed. Not even traded for. Just signed. Oh, gosh. It's hard being a Knicks fan. I'm just telling you. It's hard. And, and look, it, it's – it's it's comparable, comparable, not close, comparable to being a Jet fan. It's comparable. And the reason why it's not the same is because, you know, I've, I've seen another finals loss. Even though it was in 99, I've had a finals loss. The Jets, the Jet fan hasn't even had that. You know, and the Nick fan in the 90s had sustainable success with teams that were in the running. Okay. Yeah. The, you always had hope. You knew it was going to be tough to beat Jordan. You knew he was around there, but, but you always had hope. See, the Jets fans haven't even had that. And so that's why I, I you know, having covered them, uh, covered the Jets for a number of years, got to know a lot of Jet fans and, you know, feel, feel for them, feel for them because they're loyal. They're loyal. They, they they keep buying their season tickets. They want their team to be good. They do. They don't jump ship. They hang in. They hang in. Same thing with the Knicks fans. They hang in. They're loyal. Long-suffering. <laughs> loyal. Hanging in. They're hoping. Wishing and hoping that one day they get a chance to win the championship again. Wishing and hoping. See the Giants fans, you know they've had they've had success, had a couple of Super Bowls, you know. Um, the Met fan is another one. You know, haven't had the World Series since '86. Okay, been there, been there again twice, came up empty. You know, so it's it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle, and really, for the Nets and. <laughs> Fortunate to have covered them during that time. I mean, just think about that. For a Nets franchise that had struggled after the Dr. J years, right, in the 70s, to to be, you know, what people would call the laughing stock in a lot of places, but for them to go to back-to-back championship series, back-to-back NBA championship games, and those teams were a lot of fun to cover. A lot of fun to cover. Jason Kidd and 
Richard Jefferson, Kenyon Martin. There was a lot of good players on those teams, a lot of good players. Rodney Rogers, guys off the bench, guys that were really good. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo joined that team. Alonzo Mourning, as they tried to find a center to get to, to work with those teams. Um, you know, they, they were really good teams. And to get to back-to-back championships for a team that had languished in, in you know, in, in just being mediocre for years, just frustrated, not being able to capitalize on the Derek Coleman and, and Kenny Anderson years. And then, you know, the, 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 just to have, to be able to be in the running for a championship. And you talk about a person changing how a team turned, Jesse Kidd turned that team around. And it's comparable, not the same, but it's comparable to what Jalen Brunson has done with this Nick team. It's comparable. He's, this, his identity, Brunson's identity is all over this Nick team. Just like Kidd's identity was all over that team. Even when Vince Carter joined them, Kidd's identity was all over that team was and that's what you're saying with this with this Knicks team and so the question becomes once again can they stay healthy down the stretch when will we see Mitchell Robinson back you don't hear anything about it when will we see him back love to have him for a bunch of these games down the stretch going into the postseason to continue to elevate your rim protection even though Hardenstein, Hardenstein's done a great job, he's been good. But, you know, it's, it, you're like Mitchell Robinson for what he brings to the table. You know, he's a, he's a little bit quicker. He's a little bit quicker. But Hardenstein's done a great job in the minutes he's played, and he's getting more and more minutes. As you know, it's depending on the matchups. So that's, that's, it's going to be interesting to see these last couple of games down the stretch. It is. It really is. It's going to be fascinating to see what this Nick team is able to do and to see what the next team is going to be able to do, right? With these, with these, these players, it's going to be fascinating. I'm looking forward to it. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York tonight. We thank you for joining us, as we always do. Harvey Joe, thank you very much for great work as always. Special thanks also to Christian Winfield, who joined us from the Daily News to talk a little NBA, and of course, the Brooklyn Nets. Tomorrow night, we will follow the Islanders as they face Winnipeg. Of course, we'll keep you updated on what's going on. Maybe Aaron Rodgers will come out, see a shadow, tell us whether he's going to retire, not retire, whatever he's going to do. And of course, I'm sure there'll be more information about what's happening with them. And we'll take a more look at baseball. All that is next on 98.7 ESPN.